Hello again, this is Jeff with Spilled Theory, and I just wanted to recount the events before the interview. It was a really cold day in the middle of a few weeks that were getting warmer, and I was waiting by Cat's Cradle for the venue to be decontaminated for the lingering COVID risk, and I ran into Doug in the parking lot, and um, yeah, he was he was really friendly, and Doug ended up offering to get coffee. Melanie and Teresa were super friendly, I was kind of avoiding saying anything stupid or uh, kind of revealing any of the questions that I had saved up. I didn't I didn't want to give anything away. I really appreciated getting to know everybody and their time that they gave me. And so I hope everybody enjoys it and the show afterwards. Thanks. What can this strange device be? <laughs> Rush about Dry House. He's been making fun of Rush. I've never gotten into it, but uh, oh, you're, okay. you're even behind these guys. <laughs> this interview is done. <laughs> I can't believe you don't like Billy Squire. The drums in Billy Squire. Yeah. It's like some of the coolest drums and drum sounds. It's very bomb-y. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. I <laughs> even have a little issues Squire. about bomb. Really, though. That's that a controversial. Yeah, it's a taste thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just hyper-masculine to me. I mean, I totally yeah. agree. I agree. Definitely. Of course. Yeah, he's a bit... He's a but Rush isn't. <laughs> Rush is not. Oh, you have a hyper uh, libertarian. Yeah, they are hyper libertarian. Were there like one or two musicians that really made you uh, go? I want, I want to do that. Uh, for <laughs> uh, for me, yeah, I'd say um, I was super into um, when when I was like in middle school. I was really into um, the Police and Rush and the Who, and all three of those bands had just amazing bass players mm -hmm. and they were just really prominent bass players too mm -hmm. and I was just so intrigued by the way that they played that I was like oh I I want to do that that's that's my instrument for sure your turn um I don't feel like there was a certain one thing that made me want to do it maybe like one band or musician or whatever I think like punk rock is what made me kind of think like that I could do it you know that I could pick up a guitar and play with some people and it would be okay um, without being a real musician. Just the idea that um, amateurs could make music and make, and it could be good. Yeah. I think I was a product of the 80s and a lot of visual things with music because of MTV. So I would stay up and watch Headbangers Ball and like who wouldn't want to play drums yeah. after watching Headbangers Ball. So yeah. I mean, I have very, very, very vivid memories of like Def Leppard's Foolin' just on rotation on Friday night videos. And j drums just always seems like a really fun instrument. So not really one one particular band or musician, but cool. the look of drums just looked like something I wanted to do. So, um, Yeah, like, so for me, uh, I was really into the Canadian band Bare Naked Ladies. Um, nice. I like the Beatles a lot, and then whenever I found out about Built to Spill, I was like, 
I, I want to play guitar. Um, and yeah, um, your work with like Phil Eck and everything pretty much since made me want to go to school for uh, recording. And uh, so, and th there's been a lot of other bands since too, you know, Pavement, Yola Tango, newer bands, um, but Built to Spill's kind of always, you know, been there. And I was curious, uh, for Melanie and Teresa, were you guys fans of Built to Spill before joining it? And like, what were your memories of discovering it and favorite songs and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah we're definitely fans. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, I was definitely a fan, um, obviously, because in the Boise music scene, too, like we all just kind of knew of all the Boise bands. And um, and so, of course, I, I knew about Built to Spill. And um, I think the album, um, you know, I would hear like songs here and there. But the, the one thing that got me was You in Reverse. That album was just the album that got me into Built to Spill. And yeah. Um, I remember listening to it front to back and I was like, damn, like this is really good. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer, even though it was in my time. And a lot of musicians when I was growing up were listening to Built to Spill. But I, I always discover things like later. five, ten years later. <laughs> and so we uh, met Doug uh, in my other project, Prison Bitch, um, in like 2018. So I actually started listening to Tree People a bit. We did a tour there, and then as we were getting to know, as I was getting to know the Built to Spill catalog, my my bandmate Chris said, everyone talks about Keep It Like a Secret, but my favorite album is Perfect From Now On. Yeah. And then I listened to, to that from beginning to end, and it was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah. So It yeah, seems like fans. there could be arguments in, uh, among fans about their favorites. Between, there are, yeah, it seems like there are arguments. And, <laughs> and it's hard to settle, because on one day yeah, I'll, I'll probably pick like a different yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the way that I found out about it, um, some of my sister's friends in high school, looking back on it, they were probably trying to impress my sister, but they, they gave her music uh, from Built to Spill, and we, we ended up listening to uh, There's Nothing Wrong With Love and Keep It Like a Secret a lot on the way into high school. And uh, Twin Falls really, like, that's the song that, like, hooked me. Because um, it reminded me of moving away from Texas and stuff like that and elementary school. Um, and yeah, I've pretty much been hooked by it since. I'm curious about the challenges of arranging some of the songs for for the three piece. Uh, I saw a video with uh, conventional wisdom, and that's like a, a really huge song. And in the in the video of the concert, it didn't sound any less huge than the album, and it's it's really impressive. Yeah, I don't even know how to. You know, I don't know why, you know, we just, we're just, <laughs> we just, I'm picking, you know, some of the guitar parts to play. Um, some of my guitar parts, I'm playing some of Jim's guitar parts mm -hmm. as well. And uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I think, I don't know why it's, why it sounded full to you. I think that's great. I guess we kind of have, like, we kind of talk a little bit about, um, like briefly, sometimes we talk about like space. And just times when I can be a little bit busier and okay. then other times where I can back off and let Doug do his thing, you yeah. know? So I think we've just been able to manage like to fill in all the space that the song needs. But the, the, the trick is to be able to do it tastefully, you know what I mean? And, and I hope that that's what we're doing. 
Yeah. The, the fact that I don't know why it sounds full is a testament to <clears throat> what these two are doing, you know, yeah. especially Mel. You know, she's doing stuff. I don't, I don't even know what she's doing because I don't even have to think about it because yeah. it just sounds full and good to me. When we first started playing, she was like really feel it, filling in some stuff. She was like yeah, yeah. playing some little guitar melodies and stuff. And I was like, we don't need to do that. Yeah. And I wanted her to keep it simple. And, I, and then she has found something in between those where she's keeping it simple like the original thing, but, but doing it in a way that sounds full. She's unbelievable what she's done. Yeah, when, when people, I've had friends who, like many people, uh, uh, some built to spill folks, you know, are big fans of the five piece. And I, 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 I was having a conversation with a friend in Albuquerque and, I go, just come and, and see it because I do feel like Mel is the secret sauce of filling in a bigger sound. Like even for drums, like I just pare down and let them so they have a good foundation to go off of. But Mel is pretty incredible to watch every night. So, cool. Yeah, it, I mean, it seems like you guys are really faithful to the stuff that had been done before, but putting kind of your own personalities and spin on things. And um, it kind of seems like there's more pressure on Doug to, to do a lot of different things. And it, I guess what I um, what I saw was uh, it's really cool that he's like uh, imitating the style of Brett Nets and solos and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so w one thing I thought about is uh, 2020 was a really, really rough year. Trying to look at the, the silver linings of it. Uh, some people had like new hobbies and new creative outlets, and I'm curious if you guys had any any of those uh, to help you cope with the time period. I got into the hobby of owning a home. <laughs> uh. Wow, um, yeah, which was cool because there was actually time to do some renovations. So I made a drum room um, and got into like figuring out soundproofing and basic home, um, like some basic carpentry skills that my friend helped me with. So I built a, or I re renovated a room with my friend to be a semi-soundproof drum room. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was, you know, the silver lining for me too is I had more time with the material. So I could practice a little bit more, get to know the catalog even more. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I was working through that because I work in a hospital. So mm -hmm. um, that was my hobby though, owning a home and freaking out about it. Nothing, <laughs> nothing new for me. I just worked on the record and sat around and waited. Sure. Probably nothing new for me, too. Um, I don't know. I got into weird projects with my husband at home. We love tiki shit, tiki bars and stuff, and we built a tiki bar in our okay. home. Yeah. It's an entire tiki room. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I think home renovations were like maybe the biggest thing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We went all the time to Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, but yeah, and just like a lot of uh, playing, at least just practicing and stuff and fiddling around. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. Is there one musician that you might want to work with, like living or dead? Just that ideal person you would want to write songs with or be in a band with? <laughs> that's that's a lot of people. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I um uh when, when I first wanted to find uh, some new people to play with, I went to Quasi. That's um 
couple people I wouldn't mind making music with sometime. Cool. Oh, I just want to play tambourine with the Indigo Girls on one song. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's mine. One song. I don't know. I don't know. Um. Jeez. Oh, yeah. That's probably a question you come up with like the best answer later for. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I just, that's, that's fair. I guess I'm already working with the people that I've always wanted to work with. Oh, that's the best. That's like you like that? You like that? You like that? <laughs> so in a few interviews, uh, they mentioned uh, Doug playing video games. There was one uh, mentioning like Crazy Taxi. There was another one mentioning a Zelda game. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember those, but so I, I grew up on video games and I'm pretty into it. And one of the avenues for like working on music has been like music for video games. And I was wondering, uh, what are, if you guys play video games, if you have favorite ones, if you like music from them or anything like that. Ooh, I we love um, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Okay. And I, oh my god, I fucking love the music for it too. It's just a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of played a. I didn't play as much video games as you make it sound like, Jeff. <laughs> Maybe they called you the the two times you did. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. There's a big break in there. In fact, I would make a record and I'd be like, when this record's done, I'm going to play a bunch of video games. And I kind of wouldn't. But I played the Zelda games when they came out and a handful of others every once in a while. But I'd go years without playing. And the Breath of the Wild I played. I got it. I got it for Christmas 2019. My son bought it for me. And then I started to play and I was like, I don't have time for this. And then all of a sudden I had time for it um, a few months later and nothing but time. And then after that, after playing that, I was like, I, then I couldn't find anything else that was even close, and I haven't played anything since because yeah. it was too good. I have nothing to offer this conversation. <laughs> okay, it, if you have a favorite book or movie that works too recently that like stuck with you, I am just with with the help of these folks and some of our collaborators like Nanuchi Kitty and Prison Bitch, I am getting into reading graphic novels. So okay, I just cool. got Rusty Brown, Chris Ware, and so I'm very intrigued. Cool. And and everyone's mentoring me on how to read it. <laughs> Starting at the top. Starting at the top. Starting in advance. Left to right. <laughs> to the bottom and then go to the next page. But I'm finding it really fascinating and with time on the bus and between shows it's it's been really cool to cool. have and not look at my phone but Actually, yeah, read this. Talking to us about it. Yeah. Yeah, you read it too. Yeah. Rusty Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Start telling us what you think of it. I well, I was already, I was already intrigued by the, the, the character of the father, and Ethan yeah. from Itchy Kitty says it's his favorite storyline, in the There's book. Multiple storylines going yeah. on. There is. Yeah. 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 So, oh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So I reached out to like one of the fan communities and said I'd, I'd be talking with you guys and wanted to see if they had suggestions for questions. Oh, cool. And it was a little strange that there were there were like two questions about ice cream. And I was like, I guess we should go with that. What What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Butter pecan. Chubby hubby. Pistachio. <laughs> we're very, <laughs> we have very specific. Oh, it's Ben and Jerry. Oh, mm. 
Then another mm. question is favorite food, like something that hits a spot on tour, mm. something you got to try whenever you can. Ramen. Oh. Chubby hubby. <laughs> Nachos. Okay. And fried potato products. For me, it's it's like pizza and Nashville hot chicken are, mm. are just things I, hot sandwiches. I can't have. Yeah, it's... um. So it's spicy, but it's a different kind of spicy. It's like a really good, flavorful spicy. Okay. Yes, I'd recommend it if, if you like spicy things. You gotta go to Nashville. Yeah, um, sometimes you can find them in like trendier big <laughs> cities too. Some other fans noticed before I did that you weren't playing the red guitar anymore, and they were, they were kind of curious uh, if there was a reason for it. Or, uh, well, I found a similar guitar um, as a backup, and um, and it just sounds, it has a little bit of a tougher sound, so I just like it a little bit better. So okay. I, use the, I use the red one as a backup. Cool. Do you think the blue one has like more of a, uh, like is it just fuller in tone? I think it's like a little, it has a little bit more bite. It's a little bit hotter. Nice. Interesting. Yeah, they, they noticed that, you know, you had been playing it for a really long time and then and the other one looks similar, but there are subtle differences between guitars. And Supposedly about the same guitar. I don't. It's the same pickup, same style, same model, and everything. Um, Weird. But uh, you know, I, I imagine they all sound a little tiny bit different. I don't really, I don't really know anything about guitars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, one is a question about the new album. Um, I I saw uh, your social media guy shared a really cool video of somebody playing a mixing board and it kind of looked like a Mellotron kind of idea. Mm -hmm. And that looked really interesting uh, for somebody who's into recording. And I was wondering if there's other interesting techniques you used uh, for the new album. Yeah, well, that was me and I didn't even use it. I just sort of, I recorded some backwards guitars on different tracks and then and then just played them like with sliders. Cool. Um, but I didn't really use it, and no, I didn't. I, I I did a lot of most of the engineering for myself on this record, the guitars and keyboards and vocals, and no, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm embarrassed about my engineering skills. I was just trying to get through it. I was right. trying to get the record done. I wasn't very very adventurous or experimental or anything. Okay. Um. So so it sounds like that was the most challenging part about it is um that that factor, I guess. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that I learned uh, during the pandemic, I was kind of working more on music than I had before, and it's hard uh, to not get burnt out in it, and you kind of have to remove yourself to critique how it is. Sometimes you try to look for feedback from other people, and I'm curious about how all you guys approach that. Um, who do you ask for feedback about the, the music that you're making? Ooh. Yeah, that that was a difficulty of working alone, and... Uh... Yeah, I mean, uh, the the I had a few friends that I would kind of gave stuff to as I was working on it, and that was maybe not the best choice because they all like are just sweet and positive and like liked everything I did. So I kind of maybe maybe I maybe I didn't push some things as hard as I could have because I felt like uh, you know other people thought it sounded all right or thought they did, and and I was and I, you know I was getting burnt out on working on it i just wanted to get it done yeah i guess sometimes harsh feedback is the, is the best or better feedback but it's also kind of hard to take too. yeah i mean harsh feedback though i mean uh i, I feedback is just hard because you don't even know what the person has in mind no one really knows what another person even 
is trying to do or anything you know it's and where do you start i i feel that way if i if i hear something yeah there yeah i think you have to be working together to give feedback i don't think you can just give someone something and say what do you think you know yeah cuz they don't have the context it. exactly yeah yeah i kind of feel the same way um the really like in my own like songwriting and stuff the only person that i'll let even listen to a little bit is my husband mm -hmm. and the rest i'm pretty like secretive about i don't like other people listening to it mostly yeah. just because it's like you just get so um i don't i wouldn't say embarrassed but just like you don't want people to hear it until like it's almost finished you know what i mean I think, yeah, what she's saying too, it's like, you know, in your head, like this isn't quite done yet. Or yeah. you, you know, in your head, like which things need improvement and which things aren't where they're supposed to be or where you imagine them being. Yeah. And then, so you want to wait till you get to that point where, where you're actually showing the person what you have in mind before you show it to them. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's a good point. You know, my perspective is more just as an instrumentalist and a, being on drums. So in the last couple of years, it's, it's been good to have the time to switch back and forth. I think you can work on the creative part. And then if you're getting burnt on it, then switch over to more technical things. So yeah, on drum, on drums, like if, you know, I, I, I was staying pretty creative with, uh, the other project prison bitch, cause we were recording some, but then like when I would start getting a little burnt out on that or kind of overanalyzing I could switch to like a technical aspect of drumming and then the feedback is primarily from online instructors which was cool because I was able to work with um like drummers I really respected um um JP Bouvet is a New York based drummer who gave me a lot I was working with him on getting ready for built to spill uh, material um and and he gave me a lot of good um I guess, devices and strategies on working with, you know, for longer sets and working with other people's material because he does a lot of session work. And I did the same thing with another drummer, Carter McLean. Um, and, and so, yeah, I was bouncing back and forth with, okay, I'm creative. Okay, I'm getting a little antsy about my creative side. Let me work on a technical thing and work with drummers on that. So, And then, it, it you know, in preparation for being in a scenario where if Doug needs a change or Melanie needs a change, I can do it relative, you know, kind of incorporate it as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point of the difference between like practicing and chops versus like creative um, taste type of yeah. choices that, yeah. that you kind of have to make. Those. And I think I learned learning to practice is like a really important skill for me. Like I had heard a quote, it's like, if you're in your practice room and if you're playing and you wish everyone heard it, then you weren't practicing. You know, hmm. if you're in your practice room and you hope no one heard you, then you were working on the right thing. So, yeah, but that's a really good point. Uh, something. So when I was starting out in music, I would play stuff and try to play it as fast as I could and thought it was impressive. And then as I've gotten older, I'd focus on the things that were harder. Yeah. Um, the things that are harder, more you played, like if you could just instantly play another instrument professionally piano piano yeah anything <laughs> Definitely. yeah piano i've always wanted to play the harp <laughs> that's cool <laughs> i don't know why but i just um 
I would um in I played for the BSU Symphony Orchestra and like the bass section is always next to the harpist in the in the, your orchestra. And I would just I just remember always just like looking at them and being like, "Oh my god. I wish I was them." That's <laughs> yeah. that's really cool. Um one of my friends from high school, his sister is actually a pretty big harp player. She's played with like Sonic Youth and like indie groups. Sweet. Uh, Mary Lattimore is her mm-hmm. name. And um, the cool thing about a gig like that is like she's kind of the biggest harpist in the country for that kind of thing. And so they, they kind of always have a gig. A gig. It, it, it's not an easy thing at all to learn, too. Yeah. I don't know anything about how it works, but uh, I don't either. It would be tough to move around. For sure. Totally. And so expensive. Yeah ridiculous one of, one of the songs i was thinking about doing an episode about i, I kind of took a break from the podcast when my job started back um but a song that i liked a lot that most fans i don't think know of is uh the song now and then um and i had known about it a long time but then it just returned to me and the the lyrics were really interesting i like the slide guitar parts and i wondered if uh, you had anything else to say about about the song? Hmm. Um, I think we maybe recorded it with um, Keep It Like a Secret, that, those sessions. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, um, and then I think, I, I definitely remember I finished, I recorded all the overdubs at home. Um yeah, just messing around. Um, I think it was. I think it was on that that we recorded the basic tracks and keep it like a secret. But I could be wrong about that. Maybe I recorded the whole thing at home. That's about all I remember. When pe- uh, fans were talking about it online, I think Jim said it was like one of his favorite little hidden gems in there too. The, maybe it's the slide guitar stuff, um, and the in the lyrics there's a really cool. Uh, it's like friendships. It combines a word, but then it compares it to like friendship sailing, and it's it's just an that's like one of the really interesting parts of the song. I think another thing that had a pretty big impact on me is uh, is slide guitar in, in your music and uh, in your solo music. Uh, Fred McDowell seems like he influenced that, but I'm wondering the things on keep it like a secret. Is there is there a musician that really uh, inspired that kind of slide guitar? Yeah, that was Beatles. Beatles, cool. Yeah. Uh, George Harrison, then. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's what I was guessing because uh, when I I liked that kind of music and I was like, where do I find more of it? And George Harrison was kind of the only the only thing I could find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has that sound for sure. Yeah, it, it's a really um, careful and specific kind of slide guitar, and a lot of times it's kind of sloppier and and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like pop slide guitar not not blues really i i think that's all of the questions that i that i brought with me um one question that i think somebody suggested and was interesting is uh in these interviews that you guys have done is there something you wish an interview asked you uh and like now would be a chance to humble brag about something or share something you've you've cared about well you asked the ice cream question (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do appreciate that you asked about um, how we're kind of like constructing the songs now live as a three piece together, Mm -hmm. Um, just because like it's kind of 
just been our main focus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially for me and Teresa as like, you know, hired hands. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just been something that we've been working on a lot. Cause I totally understand that a lot of folks, um, you know, miss, miss the five piece and, yeah. um, all the like voicings at the same time. And, um, but I think, and I hope that people have been really liking how we're making these songs sound as a three piece live. So, yeah, these, um, when we, <clears throat> when we were working on the songs, when first learning them, you know, some, sometimes there'd be just something subtly different about the song that needed to be, you know, that I felt like, uh, the feel of the song was missing and we were all always able to like figure that out and make adjustments, you know? Um, and these guys both were just, they're amazing at that. And we're still, you know, still every once in a while we sound check, have a thing or two that's like, yeah. And, and, you know, just these little tiny, subtle tempo differences that make a difference and Teresa's amazing at, at doing that and and they both just do it they both are really instinctively good at it and they're not no one gets their ego bruised by it at all it's just really incredible working with these two for for musicians who are starting out it's a really long and winding road uh practicing and getting better and finding people to play with mm-hmm. i was kind of wondering uh if there's advice that you might give to people who are somewhere on that on that road i think that i think that well that's what i learned from punk rock i think that you can be anywhere on that road and make good music i don't think you have to be as good as these two to be making good music i mean i didn't know these two were as good as they were when i wanted to play with them mm-hmm. you know and it, that didn't matter to me i knew that they were g- good enough to you know and had soul and were cool people that they could make do you know we could make some version of built the spill you know i'm a little blown away by how good they are but you don't have to be that good you just have to you just have to you know but you know whatever it is the other stuff believing in it or yeah trying or whatever just i don't know ideas yeah. and there's so many there's, there's so many things to music besides the technical aspects yeah. that are yeah. more important than the technical aspects totally and i think um so one of the opening bands so far that we've been touring with is itchy kitty mm-hmm. and ami who sings and plays guitar i had a conversation with her um, about the whole reasons why we like started our own bands and stuff and mm-hmm. um, found the people that we did to play with. And a lot of it was because we just wanted to play with people that we love, you know, people that we like that we're friends with and not take things too seriously. Um, it's almost just like if you, like if you stop caring so much, you'll enjoy it more and, and, in the end you'll kind of create better music that way yeah i think Um, that's that's a good point yeah and i think like a lot of musicians put so much pressure on themselves to like make something good and play with really good players you know and it really it doesn't have to be like that because if you keep thinking that way you're gonna kill yourself over it you know or burn yourself out yeah or burn yourself out yeah (laughs) yeah just kind of miss the point of what music is that's i think that happens to a lot of people or they don't really realize that music is is just about doing stuff with other people, you know? It's about hanging out. It's about, um, yeah, it's, 
it's about stuff other than the notes you're playing. Yeah. How fast you play them, or how, how yeah, accurately how f- you play them. <laughs> yeah, I think in college, so I went to school for music and uh, switched instruments. I was playing trombone, but then started fo- focusing more on guitar. And um, just those like subtle differences of um, the flow and style of music being so much more important than just just hitting notes you yeah. know and and may you know it could be 75 80 percent of music is um more more the finesse of it than, than yeah. Totally. yeah totally well there was one i think there was like one show or rehearsal or something where i was having problems or maybe it was a sound check and i was getting caught up in some technical babble in my head and doug's like well you know we're, we're making music together and i think that's some aspect that i've learned later um, and then especially in the last couple of years is like, I think one skill, no one, I didn't work on nearly enough was just listening, listening to what was going on around me right. rather than coming in with my agenda of I got to hit like these fills or this. It's just like, if you just relax a little bit and listen to what the other people are doing, you're creating music. So I've learned a lot, even just learning the catalog for Built to Spill. It's like, I think I was filling in a lot of things in my own brain of like what tempo I thought it was or what I thought was going on in the song and then developing more of a skill of just listening to actually what was happening. <laughs> That's kind of my advice is just listen to a lot of music like with an open mind and don't come in with like your own judgments of what you think is going on. Just listen. You know? I- I guess I found too. Um, so recording for practice is really good because that's kind of one of the harshest like critics. Mm-hmm. Um, it it can be like uh, I, I guess it can give you like a defeated feeling to hear yourself back, but it's mm-hmm. it's more honest of what what's actually getting put out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I I started learning drums a little bit over the pandemic, and I was wondering like if there's anything you do to like improve your sense of timing. Do you practice with the metronome a lot yeah i i that's like kind of a later thing one one real interesting exercise for people starting out is even just on a basic beat like there's a concept of a gap click where you have the click going on and then have it drop out for a measure and then it comes back and then you can kind of see where you're at that's a kind of cool skill so practicing the metronome is always good but then again just play along with songs you like. <laughs> can, you, can you like tell BPMs when you hear a song just from playing with the metronome? Like, I you get that sensitivity. Yeah, I I'm getting a sensitivity of like when we're like when we're playing live. Sometimes I hear a click in my head now, mm-hmm. you know, and try to try to have that going on. But I don't know if I know exact BPMs. I know. Yeah, I, I, I told Doug like. A lot of like metronome stuff for me, or if you're playing live with other people from drums, is just if the singer is sounding rushed or going too fast. Like, so a lot of the songs we start, I just sing a verse, like a little bit of a verse, and then, yeah, then I look if just watch Doug and listen mm-hmm. to Doug and see if it sounds natural and comfortable for him. So, cool. Okay, how are we doing on time? Are they loading in? They're loading in. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I really appreciate you guys' answers and, and time and everything. Nice meeting you. Good questions. Yeah. And then you get to see the show tonight.
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I'm really looking forward to it.
Make sure that it's not the only kind
tune for Itchy Kitty and Prison Bitch. This next one is a Kate LeBond song. <laughs> 